Hello and welcome to the Voices of Awareness podcast. I'm Andy Taylor and we're listening to the pioneers of authentic cultural change. Cliff James is a rising star of contemporary British literature, celebrated for his exquisitely observed characters and beautifully weaved, nuanced storytelling. The Kindly Ones is a fictional story for an Extinction Rebellion age. And its launch is well-timed at this stage of the Covid pandemic and the Brexit disaster. We've all become vividly aware of our vulnerability, dependence on technology, food delivery, public services and governance structures. The Kindly Ones is set on the edge of climate extinction and political chaos. The unimaginable has occurred. You and I both know the panic and rage and abandonment we feel when we can't get a good signal on our phone or the internet goes off for a full hour. The unimaginable is where none of it works globally for everyone forever. Once the communications had gone down, once people could no longer see and share the small reassurances of daily existence on the devices in their hands, that was when the real panic set in. Perhaps people felt safe so long as they could scroll through the mundane and the catastrophic, know which was which and where. But when the screens went blank, There was no way to tell when one would turn into the other. Like the unseen dangers on the wind, thought Kai, it was always the unknown that generated the most fear and paranoia. After a while, the delivery trucks stopped bringing Cosmopolitan and Ola magazines to the camps and brought only people and desperation. That marked the second wave of the troubles, when the predictions started coming true, when the weather pushed people over borders and borders back over people, and acts and substances that had previously been banned began to be employed with impunity. When the trucks stopped bearing goodwill but gifts altogether, Kai had idly wondered if any of the newly arrived evacuees had ever given their own boxes of donations to the camps. Now that circumstances had been reversed, She imagined their faces if chance should reunite them with their old goods at the destitution warehouse. It would be ironic if they were presented with a pair of their old socks or knickers, a crossword book or beauty magazine, she thought. I think The Kindly Ones is is about the conflict between we can either be empathetic and kind and fundamentally human or we can turn against our humanity and be egotistical selfish and not think about other people 
um, which is a fundamentally destructive um, way to be, which is essentially how we're ending up at this uh, climate crisis that we're facing now, which is being egotistical and selfish and not thinking about uh, the future. The Kindly Ones allows the reader to emerge themselves into the lives of two very different families who both encounter each other fleeing deep into an immense forest to hide from whatever they don't know is happening elsewhere. Here we encounter Abel, who's the youngest of five boys in a very religious family. Looking out at the golden green field, at the grass swaying in the breeze, and the wide open sky, he wondered who used to own the pipe flute thing, whether they had played it in this field, maybe looking up at the moon, and what wicked things they must have done to be sent to the bottomless pit. Then he thought about the other people who had been left behind after the last day, the ones that they hid from, and who might see their headlights in the dark or the broken house from miles around. If all the God-haters had been sent to the bottomless pit, then who were those other people? If they were not wicked, why must he hide from them? And if the last day had happened, then what were these days that they were living after the last day? It did not feel like a new heaven and earth, Abel brushed the fringe away from his eyes. There were so many questions he was not supposed to ask. He suspected that the answers must be really bad or else not known. The forest went on for days and days, well into autumn. The leaves were inflamed, liver-spotted, rust-brown, cracking yellow and falling. The tree trunks were menacing, thick ribs of a pagan monster that had swallowed them and the whole world too, and in which they drove around in blind circles. Dark branches arched over the road, cut triangles of the grey sky, clippings of cloud and occasional blue. At night, nothing but black whale-belly emptiness overhead. When at last the forest thinned, the trees grew sparse, and the fine geometries of sky turned into open expanses, Abel felt as though he had come up for air. There was so much sky that Abel thought they must now be driving in circles around the grey eye of a giant. Somewhere in the centre of it all must be the deep, black pit of an all-seeing pupil. Maybe that was the thing they were looking for. Maybe that was the thing that was looking for them. Here's Cliff talking about Abel's big brother, his oldest brother, Enoch, who, between you and me, is a bit of a baddie. 
his parents have told him because he's the firstborn that it's his right to inherit the earth and then the end of the world happens and he's got this such a powerful sense in his own uh, of his own self-belief in his own right to everything that everything on the in the world belongs to him whether it's his fault or not for his fault for not being able to see through the myth of his um, of his privilege his he ends up the way he is I would say because he his parents give him a, a, a powerful sense that he owns everything in the world. Yeah, the, the people that the reader, I think, will identify with um, are people who are more fluid in their personalities, who are more aware of their, who make mistakes and are aware of their mistakes and learn from them. Ruth used the corrugated iron roof as a table and poured pretend tea from the empty wine bottle into the cups, handing first one and then another to Abel to pass on to their imaginary guests. They knew they were both too old for this game, but neither of them minded. When all the cups had been pretend-filled, Ruth mimed the cutting of a cake on an invisible platter. The clouds shed their sunset complexion and the light began to fade. He says he would like some more, please, said Abel. Who's he? The burnt man. Who's the burnt man? Abel shrugged but insisted on holding the burnt man's cup for Ruth to refill. She obliged and everyone, real and imaginary, was content. When they had finished their tea, Ruth said that they should head back to the house. She could just about see the path they had broken through the grass, but they had walked for longer than she had realised and the house was quite some distance away. The falling darkness made everything seem distant. Neither Ruth nor Abel could see over the tall seed heads of the grass. He kept his eyes down, following Ruth's white trainers kicking ahead against the current of fallen stalks, trusting his sister to find a way back through the field. It was taking a lot longer to go back than it did to come out. Shall we play the keeping an eye on each other game again, he asked, stumbling to keep up with his sister. Not now, just stay with me, she said, breathing faster, becoming afraid. What? he shouted after Ruth, but she had gone, her footfalls fading in the canyon of grass, dispersing into a thousand seeds of direction. Abel stopped running. He walked a few steps along the passage his sister had broken through the field, but the way was so dark, and the wall of stems bent this way and that against his outstretched hands, closing him in. He listened to sounds, whispers of leaf, and things that were not leaf but intentional and sensate, deliberate presences in the grass around him. The air was rich with flavour, with damp and hummus, the old meat smell of the earth. He made a small animal noise of fear, swallowed it whole, 
made another, and looked up, startled, over the top of the grass and into the cold white face gazing down at him. You can order a copy of Cliff James's The Kindly Ones through your local bookstore or online through lethepressbooks.com. That, that's the publisher. Lethe is L-E-T-H-E. Or it's also available in that very large retail store named after the biggest forest in the world. Until next time. Take care and goodbye.